2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
3: Hello, you are listening to the Third Coast Pocket Conference. I'm Isabel Vasquez. On this episode, we're bringing you a session from across the world, recorded at the 2018 Audiocraft Conference in Sydney, Australia. After listening to this episode, if you like what you heard, head over to the Audiocraft podcast and make sure to subscribe for more sessions from this and previous years. Okay, so for this session, we are diving in to how music can transform an audio story. Audiocraft's Jess O'Callaghan moderates a discussion between independent producer Jay Krantz and John Chia of Paper Radio, both of whom are not only great audio producers, but also musicians who think carefully about the role of music in story. Together, they consider music as an element of storytelling that can add, detract, or play with the other components of the piece. So from Audiocraft 2018, here is Fine Tune.
4: So I'm really excited to be on stage with these two. Um, We want to pull back the curtain for you on the creative process behind music selection and give people a vocabulary as well for talking about music. So, like, I'm definitely used to saying things like I want like the blippy bloppy sounds or can we not have this sound <laughs> just like Poddington Bear and that's like my only frame of reference and so what I really love about these two and their brains is that they know how to, they know what they want in music and they know how to talk about it and um, so I hope that they'll be able to shed light on both these things today. Um, so we're talking about music, and a lot of it is going to be focusing on on just that. And um I think that we're we're using music in in more creative, different ways in podcasting these days. So it's not just the that sort of feature style music isn't just being used in radio features anymore. It's also being used in news podcasts, in conversational podcasts. And so, I think really like, no matter what you make, if you're working in audio, these are useful skills to have in your toolbox, useful things to be thinking really smartly about. So I'm really excited to be here with you two talking about this today. We'll be listening to a lot of things too. So I wanted to kind of start by asking both of you, like, what's the function for you of music in an audio story? So I know you're both struggling with this because you're like, music is the audio story. (laughs) But um, we might start with you, Jay. Like, what, what, are you, what is music doing for you? Why are you using it at all? I, um,
0: it's still mysterious to me the way music can add movement and forward propulsion, um, push time forward and backwards, which I'll play an example of later on. Uh, offer a promise uh, in the form of music to uh, the listener as a kind of side note. Um, Or auger something that's coming uh, and the tension that brings similarly to signal a change before it's gonna happen um, and turn some of the material into a kind of sonified image if you will that plays behind the surface content of the music and kind of grows and develops in the background creating a kind of another dimension that um, can exist in the story um, alongside um, the rest of it. But also uh, one one of the really important things, because John John brought up this idea when, when we were discussing this, that music can replace the voice. And I've heard a few examples recently and all the examples I'm I'm giving are recent things I've heard because if I try to go back to everything I've loved, you know. we we'll
4: would just be whole day of hardware breakdown. <laughs> sharing music with yeah. you. <laughs>
0: um, but um, I think that when when, when the music comes in place of something that we already know someone's going to say, I think it, um, it amplifies the idea in a way that can be more complex and more interesting than the thing that was going to be said. And I think the essence of that is of allowing the music to speak is that it lets our unconscious uh, processes sort of kick in and uh, forces our imagination to augment what's there and lets our imagination spill into the material
4: It's interesting that uh, I think the way that you both talk about this is like adding a dimension. And I think that when you're starting out and when you're first like learning that you can add music to things, you sort of think of it as like, you're adding a layer of something. Whereas for you two, you're kind of adding like an entire dimension that is part of that story. Is that how do you, what do you look for when you're adding music to a a piece? Like what are you, what's your purpose, John?
5: Um, Well, I guess I just think it's the same, like music is kind of the same as sound design, which is the same as voice. Um, They're all just information and so I guess like music as a tool in in radio, um, it it can kind of add a certain, like it can undermine the voice and it's not that one's more important than the other, they just sort of play off each other. Um, So you can have, I mean you know, you you have this when you're producing that you're sort of auditioning bits of music under stuff like, um, oh this is totally not right and really kind of tuning into those moments where like, well why is it not right? or what is it actually achieving, what is it affecting, even if it's not what you want to keep in the final thing. That's a really kind of direct educational process, like um, someone saying something really stupid and the music's really serious, or vice versa. Like um, That tension is really a, a beautiful and important tool that you have at your disposal. Um, and I guess the other thing I look for is just stuff that veers off the harmonic chart as well, that's not... You know, like moods for music are just... Um, The classic is major chords are happy, minor chords are sad. Um, But, you know, and that's great. That's a really... That's a
4: classic, I knew that one.
5: (laughs) I mean, you know, people just talk about that all the time. Um, But once you start listening for it, I mean, just look it up and look up YouTube and, like, find out what those things are if you don't know. But, like, that's kind of just your hand on the doorknob. And once you open that door um, and get beyond things that sound right together or things that just sound um automatically write and look for things that sound um th- that that kind of implant a question mark in your chest. I think that's just a really good way to kind of enter thinking about music.
4: Something else that you do really well with music that I know Jay admires as well is um like cheekiness in music and using music under your like using music as part of your work to kind of have fun or play. Is that something that like you set out to do or is that just like is that just you're making stuff and that happens?
5: Uh, For me, it's part of, I guess it's part of the um, aesthetic backyard that I really love. Um, You know, some people like fruit trees, some people like flowers. I like stupid, cheeky shit.
4: (laughs) I think um, to help us kind of talk about this and, like, why we, mu- why we use music and the different reasons we can use it, um, let's listen to something. Um, Jay, you chose this piece. Um, it's a moment from a podcast that uses music particularly well. Um, so do you want to set this one up for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is just a little example just to
0: get us in at, of what I was talking about before about just, just a tiny – the last thing I heard where the kind of music came in and, and filled something in. So um, – It's from Caliphate, which, for those of you who don't know, is the new serialised podcast by the New York Times, uh, which follows Rukmini Kalamaki, the Times' foreign correspondent and terrorism expert, um, as she reports on the Islamic State, um, which is her beat, how it draws in followers and the power it wields, um, with the story focusing on an ISIS source she finds living in Canada. And I just think it's a mini example of something elegantly done um, and sort of understated that both sort of withholds um, and fills
4: at the same time. Yeah, I don't think we thought that like the New York Times reporting on ISIS was gonna be like
0: a breakthrough
4: in beautiful music design, but it really is. Yeah, and and Andy
0: Mills produces it and he's always been really amazing with music. All right, let's
5: have a listen. They use the exact same justification for every attack. It's that they do it to us, so we do it to them. They bomb our women and children indiscriminately, we do it to them.
4: Yeah. So at a certain point, you decide that you want to quit. Yeah. Can you, can you? Was there one moment or a series of moments?
2: The second time I did the kill, I killed someone.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's very similar. I just think that, that the music comes in place of a description of something immense um, and it's inclusive by having us fill it in. Uh, is, is it a heart flatlining? Is it something in him going dead? Um, finitude? You know, it doesn't matter. It feels specific and I think that forces us to find something, to have a specific response that's um, more personal.
4: And so for you... For For you to have that response to something when you're a listener, so rather than as a maker, when you're a listener and you're, you know, flicking through podcasts, for you to come away from a story going like, whoa, they use music really well, um, what does it need to do for you? I think
0: a lot of the time... um, Well, first of all, I sort of take it in as a whole where I want it to be a kind of sonic ecosystem where one grows the other. I don't want to feel they're separate. So while I pay attention, and there are certainly times when the music is really striking and I'm very aware of it, but actually, and this is sort of gonna contradict everything I've said and will say, but the best times is when I, I try really hard to notice it and I don't, uh, and it's the same in a movie. I'm like, I'm gonna really listen to what they're doing with the music. I get to the end and I go, shit. You know. oh, I forgot and um, I think the same happens when it's, it's, it's like it merges into something insoluble the combination almost almost like I'm
4: under a spell um, because they're just so well paired and they're speaking to each other. John what um, what is it about audio is there something in particular that if you walk away going like yeah that was great like what spell have they had to cast on you?
5: Well, yeah, I think it's very similar. Like, um, when they don't feel like separate entities, they're just sort of part, of part of this one unit moving through space or moving through time in your head. Um, but then I also kind of like stuff where it's really... It's quite obvious that the music is kind of plonked in, and um, I just like to feel like it's a deliberate move. Like, maybe the music doesn't just get dropped in how it was mixed um, in the studio maybe it like is the stereo field is narrowed and it's placed slightly to the left or something like it just has a place it has a position Um, and yeah and I guess otherwise I just like things that have a physicality to them or um, yeah kind of a visceral quality that helps to yeah again kind of push you through a story or or, um, subtly kind of guide you
4: Is there something that music, like are there qualities in certain pieces of music that do have that propulsion? Like I know when I'm looking for music sometimes um, I am looking for something that will like move me forward and like what qualities could a piece of music have that would offer that like momentum?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is one example if we have time. The the second caliphate example has some of that, I think. I mean I think usually it it has to have – some sort of pulse under it i mean it's usually i think either way you want to feel it as a contrast to something it has to be less static than what's happening say um in in the, vo- in, the in the voice yeah. so i think as long as there's m- more movement than that then we'll experience it as as a shift
4: there's um there's a piece that you brought along to share that stay with you lately um should we have a listen do you want to set this up
5: yeah, sure. Um, this is just from a podcast called Swipe Left, Swipe Left. Um, and I just think it's an interesting example because it's quite, um, it's quite accessible. Um, the, this specific piece of music is like synth arpeggio, so it's a sequence of repeated notes um, that kind of, if you play them at the same time, they kind of form a scale or a chord. You didn't need to know that. Classic. So sorry. <laughs> um, but basically... So what they've done in order to kind of create some variation with the same kind of tonality is I think they've pulse-stretched, which is like extreme time-stretching, um, this arpeggio. So the um, when the when the story's kind of trying to shift gears a little bit, they've preserved a lot of the tone, but they've used the same piece of music and just kind of edited it. Um, and I just thought it was kind of an interesting example of someone doing that really simple thing.
4: Do you know that by listening to it, or do you know that because you've read or something about it
5: yeah sorry it's from listening to it because I mean this is the thing like um you do things over and over and you get used to how different tools sound and maybe it's not how they did it at all but um you feel confident enough that maybe this is if you were going to try and get to there and this is like what being a producer is if you were going to try and get to there this thing you have in your head these are the ways I'd probably do it
4: all right so think about that while we listen to this (laughs)
5: But the next
6: thing was, he delved into the bag and I thought, please don't bring out the dildo. I'm going to say something. I really, really don't want that dildo. And he wouldn't me. And please don't bring out the pegs. He pulled out a bottle of poppers and I remember seeing the words extra
5: strong it actually had nothing to do with music. I just wanted that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> was that thing about repeating a piece of music even true? Oh,
5: uh, like listening to it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, hmm. I was kind of wasn't really paying attention.
4: <laughs> Jay, um, let's talk about some things that have stuck with you recently. Um, what sort of yeah got your ears interested? Um, well, well,
0: a couple of things I had. Recently, uh, I won't play um, but I just thought one of them really struck me which was from a podcast called Awful Grace that Audiocraft's Audiocraft's Jess Binneth um, introduced me to. Thanks Jess. I love it. Um, It's produced by Robert Anderson out of Chicago uh, and he uh, made a one hour 47 minute episode um, that I'll play the beginning of soon but It makes no sense for me to play the intermission, but he put a seven-minute musical interlude right in the middle, and um, it's a piece about death um, within a piece that's about um, deaths in Chicago. And it just made me think that we get so expedient about how we use music, and especially now as we're moving away from broadcast kind of limitations, I think there's... um, I think there's room to explore um, a bit more room in allowing musical moments to reflect and deepen our experience of peace piece rather than assuming that people are going to have those experiences later after hearing the piece. So both that and he does this exit music and Caliphate also did a an one and a half minute exit music that they didn't need
4: to put there.
0: But um, helped me, you know, it was, it was more than a digestive. It actually, like, changed how I felt about the piece.
4: Yeah, I found so that I didn't even notice with the Caliphate one, I didn't realise that I was listening to it still. Like, I was walking home and um, I was like, oh, no one's talked in a really long time. But yeah. this is, I'm still feeling things about this story. Yeah. And so what's this example that you've, you've brought um, as well?
0: Yeah, so this is the introduction. Um, and you know, I just have to apologise. I think all my examples I realised are morbid. Um, <laughs> uh, at least I'm sticking to a theme. Um, but you know, not uh, John's theme. <laughs>
5: I was trying to go goth today.
0: <laughs> exactly. But um, I think he, I think he achieves more with music than I've ever experienced in a in a podcast for me. Um, and I, I don't want to. I'd like to talk about what I think he does afterwards, rather than. Take away, because I think it, he creates an environment in which so many experiences can be had from it but, but I do like that he seems to not give a flying fuck about what music he should play or what other people do and um, I think you can hear that and um, even though it feels thought about it feels kind of um, radically fearless um, so this is from an episode called uh, They Tell Me You're Wicked uh, which is dedicated to a 13 year old and 11 year old who died in Chicago on um, who were killed in July 2014.
5: One, two, three. Johanna's pregnant.
6: What? For
2: <laughs> real? Oh my God! right, <laughs> hey, I'm going to be a grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That was
6: cool. laughs> I can't breathe. I can am go yes. Push, go, push, 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 Alexis. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, oh,
2: oh. hey, oh, okay,
6: take a breath. Take breath. Okay, now go <sighs> again.
4: He's here. He's here. Oh. <laughs>
0: Over and over, over and over, over and over, and over. Um, and he he goes on to do a. A few other amazing things before kind of main section of the piece, but I, I just love how he he collapses time. You know, the music helps us um, sort of transition through those stages, and he weaves in emotion without kind of pushing anything on us, um, and then sort of seamlessly drops us into the world of the story, the train level crossing, which I assume is in Chicago um so it's so holding us in something very personal while i think also speaking to the epic um which is where the story lies in these kind of bigger arcs of life and death and um, tragedy um but but he gives the music lifting work and um, by associating it with with birth and life at the beginning. Um, And then when he sort of literally interrupts the music, I think it's pure, pure augury and pure foreboding about life interrupted and something unnatural um, about to happen. It's just one example of what he does.
4: This is working on this podcast, not podcast, working on this session with you. Um, It's the first time I've heard that podcast and it's, yeah, really haunting and beautiful and just, yeah, masterful. Yeah. yeah.
3: hey sorry to cut in we are going to take a quick break but we will be back in just a minute with the rest of this session the
1: show about all the
7: are you tired of endlessly searching for good radio stories or maybe feeling overwhelmed by the amount of podcasts filling up your feed?
6: This is Radio Lab. I'm Jad
7: Well, worry no more, because Third Coast has you covered. I'm Gwen Maxite, host of Third Coast podcast Resound. Resound is a themed, hour long mix of the best in radio and podcasting from the past and present. We've been carefully curating nothing but the best stories from around the world since 2004, and we have a treasure trove of amazing audio. Each episode is bound to have something to fit every listener's individual taste personal stories, essays, sound art, mystery stories that twist and turn, and other audio experiments. So stop searching. Subscribe to Resound today and treat yourself to the finest stories ever told in sound. Your ears will thank us.
1: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs?
2: Okay,
4: we're back with the rest of this session from Audiocraft 2018. I think we're going to move on to one of our case studies. And if we have time for more examples of things you guys have listened to at the end, we'll come back to some of our other pieces to share. Um, so I think we'll start with your, your case study, John. So I asked these two to pick two stories that they'd worked on where we could share... Um, share something without music and then talk about how they chose to use music and then how you know hear what it sounded like afterwards. So um, this is a tone change again. Uh, yeah, I just
5: <laughs> want to go and cry for a bit and then maybe come back to this later.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, we're going to go there. So tell us about this story. Tell us about The Big Brawn.
5: Um, the Big Brawn is a piece from Paper Radio, the podcast I've been making. Um, it's a fiction piece, a short story written by a writer called Cardia Pace. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know if there's any point in explaining much about the story, but, um...
4: It's about the Big Prawn.
5: Yeah, uh, the Big Prawn in Ballano if you haven't seen it, um, Bunnings owns it.
4: <laughs> so shall we hear it without music first? Sure. You know? <laughs> she laughed and put a fist under her chin
1: and said, My, My favourite place, place in, the in the whole world, world would have, have to be, be the Big Prawn. I said, where's that? And she said it's "It's in Ballina. Ballina. And she said it was her favourite place, because I was conceived there. She said it was (coughs) huge and pink, pink. and on the way to Byron Bay, where she met Dad. I asked if there were big prawns in Antarctica, and she said probably not.
5: Conceived at the big prawn?
4: (laughs) Yeah, you tell me. I don't yeah, know. Uh, I think it's, I mean, I've been to the Big Prawn and I don't know where. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is your example. so
5: Somewhere in the tail.
4: Maybe the music <laughs> will give us something that will evoke the answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> do you want to um, explain anything before we, um, we hear it with music?
5: Um, well, d- do you want me to talk about that before or after hearing it? Is
4: there anything we should listen for while we're, while we're listening to it?
5: I guess, so, part of, part of, um, the process of doing stuff like this for me is, um, trying to, uh, yeah, again, kind of cast the music and musical elements like a guitar or something as a character or as, as extra information, so, um, so they have a bit of a voice and also kind of, um, two things, using, um, sound effects and sound design, um, as cues for me to, um, compose with, like composing with samples and then putting music around that. And the other thing is um, using musical notes and sequences as kind of metaphors and stuff. I, I don't know, sorry.
4: No, yeah, I think we're going to hear another example as well which makes really clear the, the sort of using sound effects musically as well because that's something that you do really well. Um, all right, let's hear it with music, the big prawn.
1: <laughs> she laughed and put a fist under her chin and said... My favourite place in the whole world would have to be the Big Prawn. I said, where's that? And she said it's in Ballina. And she said it was her favourite place because I was conceived there. She said it was huge and pink and on the way to Byron Bay, where she met Dad. I asked if there were Big Prawns in Antarctica and she said... Probably not.
5: it just fades
4: out so um so thinking about that music like what we were talking about earlier with the forward propulsion like once she says once she gets over the the big prawn there is this sort of forward momentum that you've you've got there with the music is that i mean what qualities if you were to use your vocabulary that i don't have what qualities does that that music have
5: Well, I think um, like it's pretty referential again. It sort of has that um, 60s bubblegummy kind of romantic thing with the kind of palm muted guitar and a lot of reverb, which is just really kind of very evocative of different genres and the kind of all of the meaning that's wrapped up in those things you can just kind of package and paste into some of the stuff that you do. Um, Yeah, it
4: makes you think of like a faded postcard that has the big prawn on it.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you know, just like kind of swishy guitars that, um, that kind of maybe sometimes evoke for me like the swinging of the tail or the, the kind of romantic feeling of like, you know, the dad and stuff like that. Um, and then I guess it – I can't remember the end. Yeah. No, I can't remember. That's the, it.
4: Um, the, pap- the music in paper radio sounds to me like I can always – I feel like I can tell that something's a paper radio story. Um and a lot of it is is to do with the music and the sound design. Is there some like are you coming to that project with a certain um idea about what music should be in a paper radio story? Because I think it does sound unique among, you know, your other extensive work as well. Uh
5: I think it's changed a bit, but I think I mean I'm pretty I feel pretty strongly about um yeah, I mean I really I absolutely adore the kind of um gorgeous rich and pensive work that Jay makes and that also Jay has shown examples of so far and, um, like, those moods are things I'm trying to get better at but I guess the things that I feel most comfortable with are um, things that have maybe too much colour even. I'm sure people have listened to our stories and just thought there's too much going on and I respect that opinion.
4: (laughs) Um, shall we listen to a piece that um is also from paper radio that does have a lot going on on that note
5: sure
4: <laughs> um so this is this is really interesting because you have um i mean it's sound design it's sound effects, but it's also used it is music how the way that you've used it do you want to have a talk about that
5: uh yeah, so this is a piece about um uh Solitary. What are they called? Sensory deprivation tank. Um, And this is the sequence where he comes out. And so there's like he's talking about how his senses are enlivened by the deprivation. And I guess I tried to fill that in.
4: And um, the piece is called the Isolation, Solitude, Confinement, Confinement, Happiness, Freedom, Domain. If you want to go listen to it after, it's very good. Let's make this play.
5: Pat those senses. Those glorious senses, they're back too. Colours look more vibrant and lurid. They pop. And sounds sound richer, more complex and layered. Smells are particularly pungent.
4: (laughs) And so when you're, um, like, what's the process to do that? Not the whole process. Well, it's like, (laughs) how how do you even think about doing that?
5: Well, I, I think... I just really try to think about what, what's happening in the story and what's what are the different elements of the mood. And so he's kind of... He's talking in this animated voice. Um, the, the kind of key of the music should be playful, but it shouldn't be too... Um, uh, like, it's not meant to be too uplifting or anything. So uplifting would be like kind of swelling chords or held notes. Um, it needed to be quite rhythmic, and so there was sort of the xylophony marimba things and... Um, Lots of percussion is quite playful, so I guess look like, I mean, and then there's like the, like the peeing sound and I just thought, well, how can I make the peeing sounds sound more lurid? And um, (laughs) I thought, well, okay, well, that kind of popping sound is like a synth, like a filter envelope, so it's like, you know, the opening up of the tone, so I can just sort of make a bunch of those happen and... um, like I know yeah, I'm kind of. I'm only laughing at you straight. because
4: you're like talking really intricately about how to make the ping sound sound more, lurid <laughs> and I love it. No your um, product. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were using words there. Um, you were using some words that like I didn't understand, and then other words which were like uplifting, you know, things like that. So um, you both have developed these incredible musical vocabularies from being musicians, which is then translated into your beautiful audio work, if people who don't have musical backgrounds, who aren't musicians, wanted to kind of sharpen their musical vocabulary, what can you recommend they do? Like, where do they start? I mean, earlier you said go to YouTube and learn about those two chords. Like, that's a really, that's really helpful advice. Like, is there anything else like that that you'd recommend people do? Uh, Start a band.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Start a band. I'll just really quickly say, I think... um, Like, none of that stuff comes naturally, obviously. It's, like, very constructed language, but listening is... I mean, it's so obvious. Listening is the key, but finding a way to structure your listening is really helpful. So um, when you're listening to, like, one sound or many sounds and trying to figure out what's going on, it's always about change. It's, like, um, like, what's happening with the time? What's happening over time is, like, do beats fall away very quickly like staccatos, like, really kind of like that or are they kind of swelling and then falling away um are things overlapping you know is the is the sound narrow or is it wide um trying to figure out yeah the differences just yeah what's happening over time like is.
4: and are there certain right um are there certain writers or um critics or anyone who you think talks about music really well or who people should read or like are there any sort of resources for people who are trying to get better at talking about music that you can think of
0: i mean i I haven't really thought about uh the answer to this question before but i do think that you're gonna probably learn most first anyway about music you know well so i would start by taking music you know you know well but may not have a language for and go and listen to the musician talk about it, or, or being interviewed about it, because you'll, you'll, you'll have a reference to build from, I think. Um, I think I've learned a lot that way. But also, I just, I loved your blippy-bloppy um, <laughs> at the beginning, and I, I actually think it's really important, if you can and if you are working with musicians, to find Musical languages within your podcast or your piece that are specific to what you're working on, that, and that don't reference anything else. And it might be, um, it might be talking about the sound of wanting to evoke fog in a piece that's foggy, or you know, uh, just at finding words and references and images that you want to sonify within the work as well, and building your own language with whoever you're working with i think can also create some really interesting results
4: i'd really like to talk about your case study the leaves so that's something all of those things are kind of applied here like into into this piece that you brought along so how did you approach the music in this piece i didn't realize how big this would be i don't know what steps (laughs) would ever means um
0: so so two things um one is generally i you know i like to sort of anything i approach i try and create a kind of pocket universe um for the listener to live inside for the duration of the piece um and you know i try and evoke at least one element within the story whether that's the environment or the internal state of the character Um, just as long as it's kind of habitable seeable um, and able to be experienced and i just try and leap in my imagination, into that place and just not let go and hope that if I stay there long enough, you know, the listener will sort of eventually join me. Um, there's a nice quote from E.L. Doctorow about writing where he says, um, good writing is supposed to evoke sensation in the reader, not the fact that it's raining, but the feeling of being rained upon. And um, it's certainly uh, what I was trying to do here and what I always try and do, is get inside it. Um, So first, I'm playing a voice-only version so that you can hear how heavily cut the vocal is. So I tried not to change anything fundamental to her rhythm, um, but I wanted to get under the skin of the person telling this story um, and to kind of invite us into her state of mind and urgency by pushing and pulling on her natural rhythm so that it sort of felt tensile and and like it didn't relent. yeah, so, so, so we could just hear the voice, only one,
6: first. I knew I wasn't overdosing anyone. I just knew that was the only way I was going to get out quietly without any fuss as planned. You know, my dad was going to be at work. I was going to be able to take his car. So when everyone was asleep, I got out of bed, made the bed shape, made a little shape that looked like a body in the bed, got the suitcase out from under the bed, picked up car keys, went down the hallway, through the garage to the laneway and that was the car was there. It was an old white station wagon. I'd never driven but I drove. <laughs> what a mental idea. I did sideswipe a parked car. It's dark and there's lights going past and I'm a bit worried about how narrow the streets seem and I don't remember sleeping that night.
4: Do you want to say anything before we hear it with music? Um... Yeah, well, just mainly that um,
0: I've i zoomed in on... Um, it's not really that interesting. It just shows that um, I use three or four layers of music here because um, I just felt one wasn't enough. And so I use pre-recorded music in this situation and I put different ones together as well as layering some on top of each other because I wanted to sort of build... She's making a decision... To leave home because she has a, a violent father, um, and then she makes a decision to drug the family, and then to escape, and then steal the car, and then not knowing how to drive, and right, so I wanted it to step up. So I grabbed other stuff, but also what what might be interesting to listen for is the fact that they kind of don't quite go together. Uh, and as more and more comes in the music, it's almost a bit sickening. Um, sort of just work uh, and that's partly um, because I wanted it to feel unsettling um, and I also um, you know she be been attacked with a knife and there was this sort of scraping car and I, 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 I sort of went for something a bit metallic to sort of feel that knife edge and um, I added sort of punctuating sound design so that you would also just be sort of pricked into the moment of also just the physicality of where she is while all this sort of um, discomfort is and suspense is building in the background as well as some repetition.
4: Let's hear it. I was really lonely after
0: my mum
6: died. My dad drove a cab at night, he'd come home about 4 or 5 in the morning, if he came home because he always used to disappear, for days. He'd go on drinking binges, gambling binges, dice, cards, anything, really, horses. The last event that made me realise that I had to get out of there, he was yelling at me and he picked up a kitchen knife, a carving man, and ran at me. In that time leading up to when I left, I'd accumulated a small stash of Valium and Mogadun of my dad's. So on the night that I was leaving, I slipped quantities of those into people's beverages. When I made their (laughs) evening tea... (laughs) So my stepmum, my my poor grandmother, who was visiting from Greece at the time, who was sleeping in the same room as Crushed the pills. Stir it a bit and give them a cup of tea. I knew I wasn't overdosing anyone. I just knew that was the only way I was going to get out quietly, without any fuss, as planned. You know, my dad was going to be at work. I was going to be able to take his car. So... When everyone was asleep, got out of bed, made the bed shape, made a little shape that looked like a body in the bed. Got the suitcase out from under the bed, picked up car keys, went down the hallway, through the garage, to the laneway. And that was the car was there. It was an old white station wagon. I'd never driven, but I drove. <laughs> what a mental idea. I did sideswipe a park car. It's dark and there's lights going past and I'm a bit worried about how narrow the streets seem and I don't remember sleeping that night.
0: I just want to thank Eleanor McDowell, who's in the room from Falling Tree, for commissioning that. Thank you, Eleanor.
4: I want to thank her for commissioning it too. It's beautiful. <laughs> I wanted to, I'm only going to ask a couple more questions before we go to the audience questions. But something um, that I did want to talk to you about, Jay, is like your process, like very nuts and bolts style, like what do you, um, how you go about doing this? So you have like a, a real process to come about something that's like very creative.
0: Yeah, and um, and it's never the same every time. I mean, the first thing I do is... Um, just to use another writing example, I think it was George Saunders who said, you know, that when he writes and when he edits, it's a bit like going to the optometrist. He's like, It's better like this I like this, you know? <laughs> and um, I, the first thing I do is check, like, is it actually better with music? And let tape that is strong and doesn't need it be without it. And then once you are putting music, um, just keep checking. Is it better like this? Is it better like that? Um, <laughs> And because, you know, people have to see through it. It's, it is a bit like a prescription, and you, and you, you have to be careful about what they're going to see and really make very conscious choices about that. So that's the first thing um, I do. Um, and um, I suppose I ask myself, like, how can I evoke something beyond the sound of the thing itself um, to try and inspire creative, different creative choices um, and there's a hiding place example if we want to play that of something where I, yeah. where, where there's something not literal. Um, it's really quick.
4: Shall we have a listen
0: to this? Sure. This is my dad's earliest memory.
4: Pansy flowers.
0: And his second memory.
6: Sitting on dad's back watching men marching by in formation. And then my next memory would be in hiding.
0: Yeah, so that just a tiny example of working with the power of suggestion he went into hiding in in world war Two in poland and that's actually just a recording that sound that sounds like marching because it we link it is just an old record turning uh under the music um so i i think we you know if we should stay open to those things because sometimes they can be more interesting than if i if i'd stuck marching feet um so i try and just i don't know just embrace the idea that music is abstract and the the power of suggestion can be more interesting and to remember to be open to that. Um, Another practical thing I do is keep a music folder. As soon as I know I'm gonna start working on something and start bower birding I love that you call
4: it like a commonplace book for music yeah Yeah, exactly
0: um because I think yeah something gets activated the minute you're thinking about a piece and you do start hearing things as as well as getting ideas and it means that once you go to work on something um you've already got a little
4: sort of mood board um to start with um John what what sort of practical practical things do you do when you're approaching this process
5: um, that that folder thing is exactly it as well um, especially um, for things that I know have to have a really strong and clear structure um, where the moods have to be really strong and I am going to draw on music that already exists for it um, for for me making stuff um, myself I, I, there's not really a process it really I think it I personally really like to start from a small detail and just kind of expand it out. And yeah, as Jay says, just test it out every now and then. and uh, keep, Just keep asking, is it working? Is it, does it need anything? Does it need less? Um, and what is the other thing that it needs? Um, is it like the same voice kind of doubled a little bit or is it a note or is it a texture or something like that?
4: And before we go to audience questions, what are what do you think about this moment in time we're at in podcasting? What do you think um, in terms of music, like looking at listening to everything that you're listening to, um, what do we sound like musically in podcasting at the moment?
5: Um, I feel like from all the examples we've listened to and from the stuff that I listen to, it's so varied. Like some people are really... Um, does Poddington Bear still have... Like, is he still paying his mortgage? Um, it's There's a lot of, like... I mean, people are using a lot of stock music. There's um, people who are really going far out into really deep production, and I kind of love it all. It's just exciting to hear people playing with it.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree. I think there's something happening where it's becoming more hegemonic on one hand, and then it's going more cinematic on the other with something like s town and even that making of a massacre little clip that was played this morning was quite cinematic to me and whereas before i think people went as far as using bands now there's film composers coming in and bringing uh that skill set
4: to i mean i'm sure there were before but it feels it's more audible it was before yeah definitely like yeah. film how different do you think that is that sound of film music and that style of music to um sort of traditional radio production music
0: um it's a really good question that i was thinking about this morning and um i don't have the answer to it but i think it's um i don't think people have been given the opportunity to score things and i think for one thing it's usually scored um in these more, like in in the S-Town example, say. And so they kind of use motifs and they really um, can decide where they want the music to sit and make something completely original that is completely responsive to that one podcast as opposed to sort of drawing stuff in um, and mixing and matching
4: a bit more. Um, So, we're going to take some of your questions and we are recording this for the Audiocraft podcast. So, um, wait till the microphone gets to you before starting. Um, Really quick question. With the They Tell Me You're Wicked example, um, that piece already exists. So, it wasn't written for that podcast. Um, Where do you think we should be? finding those people who are up-and-comers and, compo- and composers
2: and people who are wanting to get into those scoring scenes? Because I'm a, I'm a music school dropout and I can't find anyone, to so like damn score my podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I mean, I think the minute there's money, there'll be people. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah. I've, I worked with musicians on the Radio Hour, which was a live... Um, Nonfiction show that Jess mentioned, and they 'd never worked on podcast or, or radio stuff before, and it was all original scoring and they loved it, and they wanted to do more um, and they were paid for it um, and i just I think it 's changed now, I think whatever was happening six months or a year ago wouldn 't even be the same anymore as far as people 's awareness of of podcasting and the kind of excitement of that you know so people got so excited about the s town score i think it I think it you know, hang in there because I think it's just really clicking over very fast. And as long as there's budget for music, I think it's just going to grow massively and people, musicians are just uh, going to love it.
4: And I think too, you as a music school dropout would probably know better than us where to find those people. Like they, um, And I think that maybe approaching people as collaborators from the start of a project can be the best way to go about that um and kind of find someone who's like invested in whatever your creative vision for it is um because yeah if someone's doing something if someone's doing something for free or for not you know as much money as you're getting or whatever then um i think that it is easier to start from the beginning and kind of go let's do this together and get someone who has that sort of um creative investment as well do you have any suggestions
5: um No, I think, I mean, yeah, that, but also um, finding people who are at a similar point in their career to Mm -hmm. you um, just kind of makes it easier somehow. That's my main takeaway from that, I think.
6: Sorry, I always have a question. Um, It's been really great to hear you guys talk about great sound design and music. Um, Bit of a downer, but I wonder what are the most common things that you hear people do really badly with music and sound design or just really wrong
0: I heard something the other day that I'm not going to mention because it's being recorded, but I just thought it was the most awful thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> and um, it sounded like place marker music that no one got around to replacing. And I think that's something to think about, is when you're ears afresh, like really choose the moment that you're going to put the music in. And I would avoid just personally using place marker music because I think it begins to answer to its own rhymes and create its own inevitability and you get used to wanting to hear that thing and when you go to actually do it, something else might sound substandard that might be infinitely better. So that's just one one mistake,
4: maybe. So you're talking about if you're like working on something and you're just not you're not going to cope with the music just yet and you put something in there because you want to evoke a similar feeling, you go, I'm going to put something better in later and d- it just sometimes never happens. You're like, oh, no, this is good. Well, it might not happen or you might, it might affect your choices later.
0: It's just a personal thing for me and I've had that experience with something before um, <laughs> um, where, where something was changed. I was like, eh, you know, I got really sort of uptight about the change even though I think it was better. So, yeah, it's just a little thing to think about.
4: What about you, John? What do you not like?
5: Oh, man, I wish I had such good sick burns, but I, um, <laughs> I just really think that the, the thing that bugs me probably the most when people use music badly is, like, um, there's just... The balance is really off. Like, the, the vocal might be an iPhone recording and the music is, like, full-spectrum pop banger. Yeah. Um, and it just, like, one thing just... Highlights the shitness of the other, um, or you know, or they're both like they're both really tinny, and then there's like a marimba, and you can't hear what the vocal is doing, and it, you know, stuff like that is just like um, a couple more drafts.
4: I think too something that we didn't get a chance to talk about today, um, but that's important is how the music's treated as well. Something you both feel quite strongly about. So yeah, similar to that. So how you, no matter what music you're using, even if it's like the most beautiful thing. Ever And it's perfect for that spot. If you, if you treat it in the right way, that's going to make all the difference.
0: Yeah. And I think it's something that producers probably need to get a bit more comfortable with is, you know, you might not be, not everyone out there who's making stuff, you know, you might not be a sound engineer, but to get a bit more comfortable with doing stuff to the music so it isn't just plunked they're clean. Um, and there was an example I was going to play of that where... where um, where Nina Simone gets sort of drowned in reverb and disappears um, in sort of pre-delay into into Chicago. Um, But, you know, it's another thing to think about. is like, you know,
3: what can I do rather than just sit it there? Thanks for downloading the Third Coast Pocket Conference. You can hear more sessions like the one we shared today on the Audiocraft podcast. Or check out their website, audiocraft.com.au, for more details. We've got one more Audiocraft session to share with you later this week. And after that, we'll be back in a few months with sessions from the 2018 Third Coast Conference. Until then, you can always check out our archive of conference audio at thirdcoastfestival.org or subscribe to our sister podcast, ReSound, for the best audio stories from around the world. Thanks for listening.